Hi, my name's Maria Massey, and I'm the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Mary Wynn, the director of communications at Kirk Day School. And today we are so excited to have on Dr. Jay Scalar, who is a covenant professor of Old Testament at Covenant Seminary and also a member of Kirk of the Hills Church. And today he's just going to talk to us about how do we look at the Old Testament, specifically Leviticus, and how do we help our kids understand God's law, and then how can God's law kind of translate into how we discipline and disciple our students? Yep. Hello, Jay speaking. Hi, Jay, it's Maria Massey. Hey, Maria, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. I've got Mary Wynn oh. here, too. Hello. Um, Hi, Mary. Hi. She is um, our Director of Communications and actually heard you speak. Yeah, at a, a conference in college, you came and spoke at a conference for college kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like three or four years uh, ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It was on Leviticus. Yes, it was. Yes, I went to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. right. Yeah. So, and you still, came, you still came to this call. That's I amazing. did. I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we actually, small world, attended the same church because I went to Mizzou. Mm -hmm. um, and so we mm. have some of the same friends and went to the same church. We were there at a little bit different times. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I thought it'd be fun to have her on, on here and, um, yeah, just talk about Leviticus and talk about the law. Yeah. That's so, great. Thank you so much for taking the time to to uh, be on here with us. This is a great, great resource that we have having you in our kind of in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. oh, that's my pleasure. So I'll kind of start us off, um, you know, just the desire behind this podcast in general is to help right. kind of educate and equip our parents both mm -hmm. in, um, you know, the raising of their children and obviously that crosses into um, their spiritual lives and how they, how we help um, children grow up, you know, to love Jesus and become lifelong followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So in this, um, you know, we wanted to have you on given your experience with the law, writing about the law, um, and just how that translates kind of into our discipline and how okay. we think of discipline. So let's just start kind of with the first question. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and um, kind of what you're known for. Yeah, sure. So uh, when people ask me what I do, I almost always smile because I'm a professor of Old Testament. And if you want to get a blank stare <laughs> from somebody, just tell them that's what you do. So what I usually say is, you know, I'm a professor of Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, and it's really fun because most people find that part of the Bible a bit harder to understand, so there's an extra challenge in trying to trying to teach it and help people see why this matters for us today. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. I would say, you know, in many circles I've been in, people definitely look at the Old Testament as like a separate, a separate thing in yeah. the Bible, um, you know, mm -hmm. part of the Bible that maybe we can't take 
with as much um, seriousness, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, as the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So I could imagine a lot of blank stares come yeah. your way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and I think part of it, too, is that when you come to the New Testament, I mean, it, it was basically written to followers of Jesus, and so that can be a bit more natural, at least if a Christian is reading the New Testament, to understand what's going on. Sure. Whereas the Old Old Testament, you know, be, because it's before Jesus, and it's really long, and it has all these laws that we don't understand or apply anymore, it just, it just seems a lot more foreign to a lot of people. Definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. Definitely. And that makes sense. So what drew you to study the Old Testament? So... Um, when I went to seminary, I loved um, Old Testament and New Testament, and when I was finishing my studies at seminary, wanting to go on for a PhD, I didn't know which way to go, and um, I had an advisor who said, you know, Jay, uh, if you can go either way, go Old Testament, mm -hmm. because it's fewer people go there, we just need more help there, mm -hmm. and um, he said, you know, and if you're looking for a dissertation topic, you, you might consider looking at one of the sacrifices in Leviticus. <laughs> and and I thought to myself, wow, you know, I just don't get Leviticus. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. uh, resonate with that. And Definitely. so I, I thought that would be an interesting puzzle to try and, and figure out. So mm -hmm. I studied that in my PhD, and in fact for the next um, 15 years after that, continued to study as I worked on a commentary. So um, you, oh. you want to get other strange looks, you tell people, <laughs> yeah, for the last 18 years I've been working on the book of Leviticus. And yeah. <laughs> as uh, I often mention that, you know, sometimes you get the blank stare again, but other times you see people smile. And it's this mm. kind of smile that says, oh, well, at least he's not hurting anyone. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Why but what happened? Yeah. What happened is I'll just throw in dur during that time, uh, my wife and I ski. We were over in England um, three and a half years um, for the the dissertation work, and about a year in to my studies in Leviticus, we would be in church, and a song would go up on the screen that would mention sacrifice, mm -hmm. um, because of course Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, or would mention atonement. Which is what Jesus does for us by His sacrifice. He He makes a way for our sins to be forgiven. And and if the song just mentioned those words, I I found that that um, almost every time tears would come to my eyes mm -hmm. because Leviticus, which focuses on sacrifice and atonement, helped me understand so much more deeply and profoundly the amazing love that God had shown mm -hmm. in and through Jesus mm -hmm. and his sacrifice and atoning work. So it ended up being incredibly um, practical, if mm -hmm. you will, at the end of the day. Definitely. Sure, because it ultimately directs us to, one, how much we need a Savior and mm -hmm. how desperately we have until Jesus, you know, attempted to make ourselves right with God, and none of that was good enough mm -hmm. until Christ came. Yeah. And yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that is, 
a humbling kind of realization mm-hmm. that for you know thousands and thousands of years we we tried and even did as the Lord instructed and it was not enough right. to cover our sins hmm. yeah that's yeah. definitely a different perspective on Leviticus mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting my church is going through Leviticus right now that's the hmm. sermon series we're in and I now, uh-huh. after every single sermon, am in tears yeah. for the same for the same fact that you just said. So mm. it is a powerful thing to study that mm. book. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jay, well, Miriam, I'm delighted your church is doing that, yes. and uh, and it can be a hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> it is a hard <laughs> sell. Say, you know, yeah, actually, Leviticus can help you love Jesus more. Yeah, really, and uh, but absolutely. Mm-hmm. Jay, if you had to give kind of an uh, elevator pitch for um, the value that Leviticus brings. What would what would you say um, that is? I mean, I know we just kind of talked about about Jesus and and how it ultimately points to his sacrifice. Um, but you know, I I remember from class with you. You know, context is king, right? So it's important to to understand what Leviticus is, yes, it does point us to Jesus, um, but there's also value that we learn about who God is in that other than just pointing us to Jesus. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, let me actually take that in in the direction of um, one one of the reasons we struggle with Leviticus is because it is mostly law. Mm -hmm. Like when you read through it's just law after law after law. Right. And so let me maybe talk a bit about how law um, helps us, how understanding law can help us, um, not only as followers of Jesus, but also as we're thinking about, hey, what's it look like to disciple our kids yeah. and discipline our kids? Mm-hmm. That kind Perfect. of thing. Yeah. So when, when we tend to hear the word law as modern 21st century um, people living in America, we um, we can often have a negative reaction mm-hmm. because we think of the law and we think limitations. Hmm. Um, we um, we live in a society um, that's been described by one sociologist as um, emphasizing expressive individualism. That mm-hmm. is that you know each one of us um, we have meaning within us. And the more freedom we have to express ourselves, the more we flourish. And mm-hmm. so if you're going to come along with a law, all of a sudden you're putting limits. Mm-hmm. And so we look at law negatively. Mm-hmm. We often think of um, law, if we're thinking about the Bible in particular, we think of law as judgmental, mm-hmm. as restrictive, as legalism. Yep, guilty. Any, yeah. Guilty, right. Mm-hmm. But any good parent knows intuitively that they are constantly setting down laws. Yeah. We usually just call them rules. Not to be legalistic, but because they love their children and want their kids to flourish. Yes. The, the reason a good parent has those rules is is based in love, not legalism. And so, mm-hmm. you know, why do we tell, tell our kids not to touch a hot stove mm-hmm. or look both ways before crossing the street? You know, no, no one looks at that parent and says, you legal.
Right. I mean, we understand that's that's an, an act of love. And the, the, the same is exactly true with God. Um, if you read through the longest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119, it's all about the law of God. And he says he loves it, uh, the, the person writing the psalm says he loves it, he desires it, he just, he can't thank God enough for it. Mm-hmm. And we've got to remember, he's, he's talking about at least um, the first five books of the Bible, which includes Leviticus. Mm-hmm. He longs with desire for the laws of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he understands that God's laws are given to us out of God's love. Mm-hmm. And I'll share a story with you of a mm-hmm. parent, um, a seminary parent, who helped their child see this in what I thought was an incredibly helpful way. Not too far from Covenant Seminary, and therefore not too far from the Kirk, mm-hmm. um, there's a... a uh, a property where horses are kept and the property butts onto a major road and so there's a fence running along the road to keep the horses in Mm. and so this mom had been there with her son seven-year-old son I think Um, they'd seen the horses and looked at the horses and that kind of thing and and then a few days later the son had uh, broken one of the rules that his mom had laid down for him and, and disobeyed his mom. And as his mom began to talk to him about this and to understand why it was important that he keep these rules and how these rules were functioning, and of course this was a, a Christian mom who was saying, you know, the rules that she was laying down were in keeping with God's rules, his laws, she said to him, do you remember when we went to see the horse the other day? Yes, mommy. Um, do you remember the, the fence that was there to keep the horse in the field away from the road? Yes, mm-hmm. mommy. Well, what do you think if would happen if that fence wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And her son said, oh, mommy, that would be terrible because the horse could then go in the road and he might get hit by a car and killed. Mm-hmm. And, and the mother said, do you know that's exactly how God's laws work for us. They're like a fence that keep us in a good field that protects us mm. from dangerous things. Hmm. It's just a very powerful yeah. way to, to help her child to see. And, and it raises the question, you know, if you're a parent, so how can you as a parent help your your kids to see that God's laws are actually for our good. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. they're not they're not just rules. They're they're tied to life and to flourishing. Right. Yeah. That's so, a beautiful yeah, image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I think society in general, um, but you know, we can all kind of get behind the love your neighbor as yourself law, right? Mm-hmm. Like that one's not mm-hmm. not hard to stomach. But mm-hmm. it's the uh, it's some of the the more difficult laws, the relationship laws. You know, those mm-hmm. laws, right, uh, mm-hmm. are a little bit harder for us. Definitely. There are definitely laws that are harder to keep and harder to see how um, flourishing can come from those laws. Yeah, and yeah. I think part of that is obviously you know society's influence, but. It's helpful to have kind of that 
that vivid image of the fence and the horse to translate um, into the the harder laws to follow. Mm-hmm. True. Yep. One, just another brief story. Uh, years ago, there was a, a woman, uh, like 10 years ago, uh, Lauren Winner, who wrote a book called Real Sex. Um, mm-hmm. She's a Christian, and so this was her um, book on, you know, what does God say about sex, and how do we understand his laws mm-hmm. regarding sex today, etc. Was as part of writing this book, she was sent by her publisher on a book tour. And um, uh, that doesn't happen, by the way, when you yeah. write a book on Leviticus. But, yeah, I bet so not. Write a, <laughs> write a book on sex and you get sent on a book tour. So <laughs> she, uh, she was going around to all these youth groups, um, you know, speaking to a lot of young people across the country, because that would be a major audience for this mm-hmm. book. And she said that she she would always begin with this question, what does God say in the Bible about sex? Mm. And she said, without fail, without fail, the very first answer that came back was always framed as a negative. Mm. God says that you shouldn't do X when it came to sex. Mm. And what would it have looked like for there to be a youth group somewhere where um, God's God's teaching on sex was explained in such a way that that when Lauren Winter came to that youth group, the first person who raised their hand was to say, oh, God intends sex for our good mm. and to be something that's used in the context of marriage so that it can strengthen that foundational relationship with our spouse, which is the basis of human flourishing in society and you know, going along that, by that I mean the family's the, sure. the basis for human flourishing, and, and sex is central to the family, and, you know, what would it have looked like to have to have that kind of teaching? Mm-hmm. So how do we do that with our kids? How do we help them to see, you know, it's not just don't, it's it's aimed at a larger, a larger do. Right. Can, can I share one more? Yes, please. Um, um, analogy or... Um, maybe way of thinking about this. Uh, Another uh, scholar, Gordon Wenham, uh, has talked about the law in terms of the floor and the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And it's a really helpful framework to think of the law. So what he basically says is, as you read through the Bible, um, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, what a law will do is it will it will describe the minimum standard of behavior that you Mm. must not fall below. Mm. So for example, he calls it the floor. For example, do not murder, right? That's sure. That's yeah. As low as you can get. If if you, yeah, if you keep that command, you are not necessarily a moral person, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. That's just Mm. a minimum standard Mm. that you can't fall below the floor. But he says, the floor also points to a ceiling, mm-hmm. a higher level of, um, of behavior that's assumed or required. So, for example, do not murder. The floor is, of course, yeah, you can't kill somebody. Mm-hmm. But, but what, what's the ceiling that that law is getting at? And the ceiling is the importance of valuing life, yeah. right? So that do not lie. Of course, that's the floor, but, but what's the ceiling? Well, it's getting at 
the importance of truth in our speech. Mm-hmm. And so as you think through the law, and sometimes with, you know, as you're talking to kids about the law, you know, it's really helpful to, to not just identify what the law is saying not to do. It's also really helpful to say, oh, and this is, what does that mean? It, it, it means that there's a value here we've got to, to live out. It's a value of loving life or loving truthfulness or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's interesting that, um, I mean, Wenham wrote that article just in the last 20 years or so, but if you read through the um, Westminster mm-hmm. Larger Catechism, um, uh, you should find very easily online, mm-hmm. there, there's a section in there about the Ten Commandments. And even though that was written centuries ago, the, the guys writing it already understood this principle. And so when they go through the Ten Commandments, they say, you know, what does the fifth commandment require? It requires you, you shall not do X. You, they identify the floor, but then they go on to describe, well, then what's the ceiling? And mm. so it's just a really helpful um, resource and model. I mean, you have to <laughs> find it in more modern language if you're using it with younger kids. Sure. But but, but they're doing that very same thing. You know what, as you were talking, what comes to mind is, uh, you know, so many times the kids that, that come into my office are usually in there because they got into a fight at recess or at lunch. And it's interesting to then even take, okay, yes, don't murder, right? Um, <laughs> that is the floor but what else does that tell us about God? That tells us that he values life, he values relationships, mm-hmm. and he values mm-hmm. us treasuring each other. Right. And mm-hmm. that is a much different conversation to have than, hey, don't hurt your neighbor. Right. You know? I, yeah, I really yeah. appreciate. And for kids, it's so much easier for them to understand what they can do than what they can't do. Mm-hmm. Like, that tends to lead towards change if they can understand what they can do as opposed to what they shouldn't do yeah mm-hmm. so that's a really um, that's a really helpful perspective to have well yeah. and what you were just saying too Marie I think of um, you know I'm sitting at my computer as we're talking and um, I have in front of me here Romans 13 9 which says um, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Um, you could throw in there, you shall not get in a fight at recess. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, mm-hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So there yeah. again, it, that's the ceiling. Yep. Right. And, and that's, and so, mm-hmm. well, Matthew seven twelve is our school verse for this year. I think it's seven twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, treat others as, as you would want to be treated. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that goes right in line with that. Yeah. Jay, can you talk just for a second about one other um, piece of the law that I have found so helpful? I grew up in uh, with the understanding that kind of in order to be right with God, I needed to follow the right rules. Um, and mm. probably one of the most beautiful pictures of this in the Old Testament that I have experienced is the giving of the Ten Commandments. You know, 
God starts with saying, you know, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. And then he gives mm-hmm. he gives the Ten Commandments. Can you speak mm-hmm. to a little bit of why that's so um, profound and oftentimes I think missed, especially within mm-hmm. modern Christian culture um, that tends to focus on the legalism, but on that, like why God would say, I am the mm-hmm. Lord your God who has taken you out of Egypt. Yeah, yeah sure. Well, a couple of different thoughts come to mind on that. The, the, the first is we sometimes think, oh, yeah, in the Old Testament, you were saved by work. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then in the New Testament, um, praise God, uh, now we're saved by faith. And, and actually, that, and I grew up thinking that way. And the New Testament itself says that's the wrong way to think about it. Salvation has always been by faith. And so if you read through Romans chapter 4, this is Paul's one of his main points there. People in the Old Testament were made right with God by faith as well. It wasn't that you had to mm-hmm. um, earn his love by keeping the law and meriting your salvation in some way. So that's the starting point. Salvation has always been by faith. Mm. But then to, to just add on to that, you know, what's the relationship between obedience and God's love? Are we trying to earn God's love through our obedience? What's fascinating when you read the the book of Exodus, so the Ten Commandments are first given in the book of Exodus, and if you remember the story of Exodus, it begins with the Israelites who have been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And in the opening 15 chapters, what you basically see is the Lord coming along and sending all of these plagues on Egypt so that he can can finally deliver his people up out of Egypt, um, chapters 1 through 15, he brings them to Mount Sinai, and then gives them the Ten Commandments in Hmm. chapter 20. And what's crucial there is to note the order. God does not say um, at the beginning of Exodus, hey, here are the Ten Commandments, and if you keep these, then and only then I'll redeem you. No, he redeems them and then gives them the Ten Commandments to show them how to to live in relationship with them. In other words, Mm -hmm. the law is not there to earn relationship. It's there to structure relationship. Mm -hmm. And and so that's why, how do the Ten Commandments begin, as you noted, with that, uh, scholars call it historical prologue, um, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Again, it's, it's redemption comes before law. And if you right. get those two things in the wrong order, all of a sudden you lose the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. You sure do. You sure do. And, you know, thinking about how that translates then to disciplining, discipling our students, even your use of the word structure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that is so challenging with kiddos is that they are very black and white, um, really mm-hmm. all the way, you know, the entire time that they're with us, though they start to kind of grow out um, and be able to think a little bit more abstractly about third or fourth grade. But they are very black and white. Um, and mm-hmm. so it can feel very challenging um, to tell them, you know, this is 
this is what you need to do to be a good student and to treat your friends well because I know that at times they can interpret that as this is the list of good things this is the list of mm -hmm. bad things um, and I think that's why it's so important to remind them constantly you know we do this because we love you right not so mm -hmm. that um, yeah it's it's not revert you know it's not reversed it's because we love you because we care for you we are going to direct you in this way right. and that mm -hmm. we love them no matter what right. even when they mess up they don't have to earn that love it's already been given yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's really helpful even as I think about parenting my own kids because it definitely mm -hmm. can feel I mean I have a two-year-old right now so you can imagine um, mm -hmm. the terrible twos are, are right present in front of me and it can feel oftentimes like I'm just giving out one command after another, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's helpful for me to sit and just think about how can I make sure that even in my tone or even in the way that, that I help set this structure in place that it is grace-centered and not just a list of this is what you can't do, but this is what you can do. It's mm -hmm. helpful to think mm -hmm. about. Yeah. 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 Um, Jay, any kind of final, like, suggestions you know for our parents especially again as they're reading their bible teaching mm -hmm. their children how to read the bible how do we what what's a helpful way to open the book of leviticus and study it for kind of the the layman mm -hmm. yeah so um I could think of Leviticus in particular, or I could think of the Old Testament more broadly. That's mm -hmm. Let's do that, the Old Testament um, more broadly. Yeah, so uh, if I'm thinking through the Old Testament more broadly, then there are a couple different things to keep in mind. Um, well, actually, let me, let me give you two different approaches, basic approaches to, to reading Old Testament stories and Old Testament law. Um, one approach has come to be known to us through the years um, as the, the pedagogical use of the law, um, coming out of the, that word for teaching. And in, in this approach, how it often works is that you might be reading a story from the Old Testament, or you might be looking at a law in the Old Testament, and you begin to see ways in which um, you you don't measure up. Um, someone shows strong faith and you don't have strong faith, or someone um, lies and you think of times you've lied, or mm. the law says love your neighbor and you think of times you haven't loved your neighbor. And the pedagogical use of the law says, yeah, you know, this is a reminder to us of our need for Jesus. Mm. Sure. So, so it 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 teaches us. Um, leads us to our need for a savior mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean it's a wonderful use of the law Paul Paul makes use of this in the book of Galatians for example and um, and so that's one way that we can go from the Old Testament to Jesus if you will just reminding us of our need if we're taking this approach um, two cautions or maybe two encouragements the, the first encouragement is even here we can frame this um, in a very um, uh, gracious way or in a non-gracious way. The non-gracious way is just to focus on, yep, see, you messed up again, mm -hmm. you didn't do it, yeah. you never measure up, that kind of thing, you need Jesus. 
Hmm. Or the, the greatest way is to say, yeah, you know, God, God knows that um, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And in his deep love for us has made a way for those imperfections to be forgiven, for mm-hmm. those wrongs mm-hmm. to be made right. And that's found in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? So you, you can get to... You can get to Jesus in just a way that emphasizes the grace. Mm-hmm. So, um, the second caution with this use is that sometimes uh, that's the only approach that people take to the Old Testament. That sure. is to say, it's just there to show you um, how you've messed up and how you need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I could translate and, that into discipline as mm-hmm. well. Discipline's just there to show you how you messed up. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Yes. Exactly, and and so I just I really encourage folks make sure you're not simply reading the Old Testament or the New as something that's just always showing how you're getting it wrong. Hmm. And this this leads to the second approach or way of reading the Bible. It's it's come to be known as the third use of the law because traditionally there are three different ways, and I'm just highlighting two of them, but. In the third use of the law, it's basically summed up in Psalm 119, 105, where the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Hmm. And the third use of the law picks up on the fact that, wow, God in his love, he he gives us this law so that, um, to go back to earlier analogy, we we have the right, the, the fences to keep us in a field where we can flourish. And, and it, it just, it, this is why the psalmist burns with desire for the law of God, because he knows that our God is the most loving Father there's ever been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he gives us his law so that we might know how to live in keeping with the way that he's designed us to live. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one author has put it this way, talking about the law, this Tim Keller, he said, you know, if you see a large sailboat out on the water moving swiftly, it's because the sailor is honoring the boat's design. Mm-hmm. If, she tr- if she tries to take it into water too shallow for it, the boat will be ruined. Mm-hmm. The sailor experiences the freedom of speed sailing only when she limits her boat to the proper depth of water and faces the wind at the proper angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, if it's when you live in keeping with God's design, for your life that you really feel like you're you're flourishing yeah. and God's law does that for us so in reading through the Old Testament you know open it expectantly here's here's something from my loving father to help me understand his heart and 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 how he's made me to live um, that's what he's teaching me about as I read through this part of the Bible hmm. yeah yeah, how is he pointing me to how he's created me, what he's created me for? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. definitely a perspective shift. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say, you know, Jay, you're the teaching that you have have done on the law and on even how to read the Old Testament has just dramatically shaped my view of the law, but also then of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just so appreciate your time and your willingness mm-hmm. to share your expertise with us um, yeah. and just love it's your passion been, for it. Yeah. Wow. It's been my pleasure. And and thank you guys for just being in the, the trenches of 
you know, um, exercising, loving discipline, um, as well as I'm sure giving tons of hugs. Yes, uh, every once in a while. Day, yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, but but I mean, it it. Uh, I worked at a camp for several years, and um, you know, I just I'm just so thankful for leaders who love the Lord, who are working with our young people and instilling in them um, God's. God's love, God's values, and pointing them to Jesus. So thank you, guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Um, uh, tell us the title of your book for those oh, of yeah. us um, so we can go out and grab it. I have a copy. I do um, as well. But uh, for our listeners out there, tell us the title of the book and where they can find it. Uh, so the, the book is simply called Leviticus. Um, it's a commentary on the book of Leviticus. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, if you just type in Leviticus, it's usually one of the first couple that, that show up, mm-hmm. or type in Leviticus and Sklar, and it'll come right up. Mm-hmm. And uh, a grad and I also did a Bible study. Oh, yeah. If a church ever wants to do a Bible study, mm-hmm. um, you can find that on Amazon as well. It's a it's a complement to the commentary. They, you, you get oh, them together. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Great. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember if I'm, if there's a purple like yes, kind of outline like on maroon-y, it, right? Maroon-y, maroon-y purple. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jay, thank you again so much for your time. We really appreciated having you on. And um, yeah, look forward to sharing this with our listeners and um, helping all of our parents grow in their understanding of God's law. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks, Jay. Okay. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.